one. I mean, it's really hard to kind of commit to one topic when, you know, halfway through it, you're like, wait a minute, I wanted to get something out about the reverse repo rates. Uh, because, of course, everybody, you know, I'm reading it as it's circulating around and really George Gammon does it best. So if you guys haven't already, check out some of his stuff on the Rebel Capitalist show. Uh, because he's just talking a lot about 401ks and how this, you know, dramatically what, what we're watching in the economy, um, you know, can directly affect that. And the repo rates, everybody thinks it's QE. Well, now we're, we've hit something where it's the opposite of a liquidity crisis. And we're having, you know, there's no buyers and lenders. There's just central banks and, oh, it's a mess. So. I, I would like to get that out at some point. But listen, before I regress, Vicki, are you there? How are you feeling? I am here. Yeah, it's, apologies Vicky. if I sound all bunged up still. And I'm sorry. That's okay. I just, like I said to you earlier, I can't shift this fatigue. I don't know what it is. So you're still not feeling well? So my head is still blocked. My ears are still blocked. I'm, today is kind of like the first day where I feel I can stay awake. But it's just been the weirdest kind of 10 days. You need the ASEA redox. I can't stress it enough, you guys. This stuff is truly miracle working. Um, sorry, Charlotte's been texting me, but she just keeps calling Charlotte's texting me to get on another call and I'm like, no, join this one. So, um, all right. Well, it's great to have everybody on here uh, today. And thank you, Vicky, even though you're not feeling well. Oh, there she is. Hey, Charlotte. Uh, Hi, you. Just have a dinner. What what did you say? I'm just about to have dinner, but I'll be back in about five minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just make, you know, kind of introing everything. Um, hey, very cool to see David Curtin on here. Um, he and I got to connect this week, you guys. Just a really awesome man. And um, I, he was telling me about his heritage party that he started. David, are you there? I'm not sure. Vicky, do you hear him? Not yet. Not He's yet. still muted. Okay. Well, David, I just wanted to give you a shout out. Maybe you can jump back on when you uh, hear us. Um, but yeah, it, you know, and I, I, and we started talking about the system and essentially where we see it going. And I mean, I know I've, it, it seems quite crazy, but I've, I've kind of, you know, hinted around this or maybe I have, I mean, I, I feel like I talk to Vicky about this all the time that I really do believe this man that they call uh, your prime minister is something else, something else, some demonically possessed, I don't know, showman um, that has been easily controlled and somehow sold out um, for whatever reason. And uh, when he goes there, I, I just feel he's the linchpin. I feel he's the placeholder for when all of this comes down. And, you know, recently in this last week, we've had this vote again for him and everybody's, you know, oh, isn't it great? He was just never going to leave. You know, he's got all this confidence. And I, I just think that there's, you know, a splintering effect happening 
Um, but those people that you know, they just can't afford to have him go down because when he goes down, so do they. So there's going to be an internal fight, you know, for some time. And I think everybody's going to have to really see who the lackeys are and who were the real leaders in this. Um, there were also some bizarre stories going out, you know, about certain MPs getting arrested and then they just went quiet. Um, which, and I don't want to really highlight them. I mean, for those of you who know, you know, about the story, but it's like, these are things that just make you go, what, what's really going on? Was this guy set up? Did he not follow the rules? Was he just a competitor to someone else? I mean, these things really do happen. Um, and, you know, this week has been all over the place with stuff from the Jubilee and, you know, <laughs> I mean, obviously I've been talking to friends from England about, the royal family and I've been hearing some very crazy interesting stories about the royals so we can talk about that um and then this this concept or this uh this I don't know subject I guess of possession keeps coming back in literally every conversation I'm having um you know and and whether it's actually meant literally or just you know to one of the journalists who said something like yeah they're all Boris possessed now, he obviously wasn't, you know, intentionally talking about demons, but I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, that's an interesting word you're using. Because again, it's like, why can't I shake this? Um, a very dear friend of the family of, uh, you know, all of this told me that she said, you know, while a lot of these people are half wits in real life, they're not particularly smart. <laughs> if I could speak in her beautifully wonderful accent posh accent um but she said there is a you know this possession like quality in all of them and you know the people that she grew up around she's now you know obviously been in around it but then has also seen learned how to see through it and we share a bond because i feel like i was a 20 something while i wasn't you know born and raised in england um i came over and got to see a lot of that stuff too and so you know, having known a lot of these people personally over the years uh, and seeing their true colors, you know, people that I used to have at my events, people that would actually stay at my house, um, you know, other members of parliament, I mean, you know, people that would come over socially and, you know, like, I mean, I just, I can't get over what's happened to the, to the people behind all of this. So, I think we're really seeing an internal struggle. That's what that vote was about. I mean, whatever that weird demon possessed eye thing you know that was more apparent on telegram than it was youtube from that recent uh interview i mean who knows what that was if that was cgi or the film or the lighting but um it made for an interesting thread so thank you for everybody that kind of participated there um you want to do a quick i had a, re I had a request for a quick uh you know catch up on xrp vicky are you down for that yeah, yeah i mean, I mean if we're looking at the charts at the moment, wow, wow. Um, <laughs> everything is bottoming out. It does look like there's a really tight channel at the bottom at the moment. Um, predictions for liftoff, there's been a lot of talk of things going around in June. Um, we've been watching a couple of the, uh, how would you call them, other altcoins start to make some moves like, um, Oh, it's unfi, isn't it? UNFI. Um, 
Wing was another one. Lit is another one. And these have all done, you know, 200% increases, like, super quickly. Watch Unfi go from $1.40 up to $41, literally in a day. Um, so there's definitely some movement around in the back of the market. Bitcoin and Ethereum struggling, but everybody's in this kind of channel at the moment, and it looks like it's going to pop at any time. Um, XRP holding strong around that 30, you know, pence mark, 40 odd cents. Um, I still can't shake that we've got this potential one quick whip back uh, before it goes off. Um, but it's just boring <laughs> looking at it's not very inspiring looking at any of the charts at the moment because they've just been bouncing along in this channel for nearly two months now. So um, I don't know whether it's manipulation, Jen, could be. Um, I think they're all holding off for, you know, the changes when it comes to the digitalization um, and, and that way we've got stock market under pressure um, I mean it's crashed completely and everybody's like oh it's not crashing but I mean we've had like eight nine consecutive weeks down um, so it's it's just very very tight in the market at the moment a good time to uh, stock up on any coins that's for sure I know uh, where I've had uh, a few pennies here and there been um, topping up the bags as they say but it's not a great time for any kind of trading at the moment on that kind of front. I don't think anybody's going to make any massive gains. Do you think we're still going to have that back test of 20 cents? I, I've still got a, I've still got two buy-ins. I've got a 25 cent. I've got a 22 cent. Uh, but I did, I did pull off the 18 cent cause I, I, I've got 17, three, five, um, as the potential lowest. So I'd always go like the cent above it. Um, wow. but I, yeah, I've still got them sat there, um, only as potentials. Wow. Okay. Um, well, it's just, I guess, you know, everyone is kind of, this is a terrible time to be entering crypto. Hopefully my mic is better, you guys. Um, but because, you know, since anybody has entered, the market has just gone down and sideways. It's been very boring. <laughs> Um, so for that, I apologize for the newbies that might, you know, think just totally suck. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you've got this lawsuit and this drama and, you know, Hinman speeches and, you know, Judge Netburn and you've got John Deaton giving, you, you know, all of this stuff. And so, you know, for those that are like, wait a minute, I just thought I was, you know, making a bit here to make a bit of money. I didn't ask for all this, like you know, regulation and, you know, all this crazy stuff that's happening. I mean, from my understanding, the regulation in the U.S. Um, bids Bitcoin and Ethereum to be regulated by the SEC, which is interesting. The same three-letter corruption agency that's now going to hang. I mean, they will hang for this stuff with, the, you know, Hinman. I mean, there's just no way they can get away. I mean, J.P. Morgan is pretty much the founder of Ethereum. And, and I just... Mm -hmm. Digital asset investor actually tweeted that the other day, and I was like, he's so spot on because Ethereum knew a lot of its challenges from day one, yet they got three passes on everything, and I, I still don't understand. I mean, for those, I, I you know, I have I own coins, uh, you know, that are built on on Ethereum, so I, you know, I do hope there is a spike, but 
recent uh, conjecture. Everybody's excited because their new, um, what is it? Their new consensus that they're rolling out. Like they're supposed to have, you know, their new updates uh, coming out. So everyone's like, you know, Bitcoin's or Ethereum's going to take over Bitcoin. I mean, it might well be if we're going to play out this SOG story, you know, um, of, of, you know, unlayering and revealing corruption, you know, and, and I keep everyone, I've had so many conversations like, you know, are we really going to see another Bitcoin rally this year? And I just think we've had way too much time down like this. So, yes, it's all... <sighs> You know, as, as Bitcoin is the proxy to the dollar, you know, yes, when the stock market goes down, so does the crypto market. But at some point, and there is the tipping point, there is this kind of separation where people then, and if you guys don't know, to, I mean, I'm sure you've seen these, these kind of headlines that spear all kinds of FUD and fear into Bitcoin and crypto, especially with regulation, people get very fearful around it. Um, I think that is, you know, no coincidence, part of the, uh, so I think they're, they will be spinning this and then eventually they'll have to come out with the regulations of the proof of work not working. And, you know, then we'll eventually get some kind of settlement with XRP. But I mean, the, the great thing about buying in at 20p is that you get a big, you know, bang for your buck. Uh, the crazy thing about trying to buy in at 20p or 22 25. I mean, it's best to spread them out in smaller buy-ins. Uh, so when you set those buy-ins, make them smaller than like one big order. Because, I mean, Vicky can tell you too, that when those servers go crazy like that, and you see that kind of volatility, the exchanges tend to shut down. And, you know, Uphold does its thing. We'll get back to you in a minute. You know, like that kind of, <laughs> we're working. Our servers are down. Holy shit. You know, and then Bitcoin or BitTrue, you know, it, it just like you cannot get your order through. And even when it hits it, it doesn't close you. I mean, so that's just something to consider. So if anybody's like holding out for the big buy-in at 20, maybe buy on the way down or buy a bit now and, you know, hold, have a few um, but ju just from experience, I mean, it's so frustrating when Shiba goes, when Shiba starts pumping, it's just impossible to buy in. Um, it's crazy. And then you have to keep, you know, resetting your buy-in because it's already three points, you know, three pennies plus ahead. And sometimes they'll retrace down. But again, with this kind of volatility and per Vicky's point of that coiling up, that tightening, um, we can't stay low like this forever. And they can only, you know, destroy the dollar so much before these other, you know, and by manipulating Wall Street assets, which then heed onto the rest of the market with precious metals. And um, but don't you guys think it's interesting? The altcoins are going to be regulated by the CFTC and the CFTC, the same, you know, the, the, the same guys that have been investigating the precious metals market manipulation over the past few years. Uh, you know, I, I think I retweeted James Rule one of those guys uh, with a piece, you know, that the CFTC was going to come out really hard on these crypto assets, you know, on, on, on crypto and digital assets. And, you know, it almost was like, okay, what are they trying to prove here? I mean, again, is this going to be another revealing of corruption or is it, are these going to be the alternative guys that kind of set this straight? And if you notice, there's quite a bit as we see more and more of the discussion of uh, cryptocurrencies and digital currencies, uh, this this talking of uh, gold and backing of gold with with cryptocurrencies on blockchain. 
Um, and, you know, you see the, the adoption of Glint and there's others. I mean, Atmex, you know, my gold place, Atmex, they've just rolled out a card with rewards for gold. That's only a matter of time that that card will also be, you know, taking crypto payments, right? So, like, there's just a whole fusion of, um, you know, opportunity here for, you, you know, for all of us that have been kind of following this. And uh, the reason why I mentioned the ver reverse repo rates, you know, and, and it is something to, because this is like the top of the top lending between, you know, the financial um you know, the Federal Reserve and the central banks and, you know, basically the buying and, you know, selling of these security treasuries that are meant to be, you know, guaranteed assets. But then what happens when your your dollar, your currency has no value? Um, and then, <laughs> so then what does that do to the, the, the big assets that are propping up the market, like this uh, mortgage-backed security issue that we never actually addressed from 2008? And with that, I cue in the um, discussion around this uh, mortgage. You guys see the prime minister introducing this, uh, the new kickbacks for low income or benefits. Is that what it's saying, Vicky, that benefits are allowed to now apply for mortgages? I mean, the first thing when I read through that article, um, you know, not even having to know their program was just the big red flag of hello, Remember on the, all the foreclosures in 2008-9? Remember how many people lost their homes? Because they, at that time, you really needed nothing to go get a mortgage. It was just stupidly easy. And um, the minute those rates went insane, so then those people lost their homes. And given what we know about universal income and the way that this, you know, creepy surveillance system that they want, that they're trying to pull over on us, is working, they're using people like Zillow and Lloyd's Bank to buy up all these houses. How easy then, when they own the bank through the mortgages, do they get to turn around and, and make the people that thought they were buying that home potential renters? I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. Vicki, do you wanna talk about your experience with mortgages and maybe somebody else can chime in? Yeah, so as you said, you know, the, the kind of five times your wage kind of lending for people and um, people buying, you know, massively outside of their means. Um, it's, it's a real concern with the, um, you know, I, I think everybody should have the right to, to buy their own home, don't get me wrong. But the way that the government are going to tie people in now, especially under, under the universal credit or benefit system, um, it's just sloping into um, that that's the universal payment that, that they want us all under. Um, you own nothing and you'll be happy scenario because the government will own it. It's the same as these um, part rent, part buy homes, you know, the government schemes. Um, my brother looked at one quite a few years ago now and I had a couple of friends who were stuck in them unable to sell, had to find um, the other 50% of their mortgage within five years, otherwise the interest rate and payments went absolutely through the roof, had to find loans. Um, and it's it's just gonna be uh, another way to get people tied into a debt um, that is unaffordable and, and unmanageable for them realistically. Uh, but it also gives the country, similarly to those securities you were talking about, Jen, um, it helps um, the government have 
nice little batches of extra mortgages which wouldn't have normally naturally been available to then sell and, and raise money hopefully they don't sell them to china um and start selling things out that way um i mean getting our mortgage um was you know that the last we moved in September and it took months and months and months. And, and, you know, they want to know everything, the ins and outs of everything you can imagine, even being a director of a company, I had to go through so much more than others. So it just seems really strange that it's going to be all scaled back and money handed out kind of willy nilly. I just, I just don't, don't understand. understand. Yeah, that's a great point. They really did drill you for that. You'd think that you were asking for, you know, the Taj Mahal by applying for these mortgages. Um, and I remember from just being in the UK, how put off I was, you know, they're, they're, they very much want you to fit in their box because their limitations, you know, are so limit. I mean, people in 2008 must've had a blast because, you know, or 2006, seven, eight, um, because whatever happened to the market completely changed the way that these mortgages have been given out. And then suddenly, mm -hmm. You know, then now we've got these programs um, where you're going to give people with, I mean, just this, this is all government handout, giving to government handout. And, um, you know, the people in between, man. So I, I just wanted to let anybody want to, you know, if anyone wants to comment, now's the time. Yeah. Sorry, I've just got yeah, a ahead. bit of feedback there. Um, what I wanted to say was um, sort of like the, the whole problem at the moment I see with the cryptocurrency scene is that there's a, a problem with actually uh, sort of like spend. So say you've bought XRP, you've bought uh, your Bitcoin and uh, you want to spend it. What's hap happening at the moment, which I see for a lot of people, they're cashing it out. They're uh, cashing it out into a, you know a fair currency, be it the the pound or the dollar, and um, because they want to spend it, you know. And uh, I think the real problem at the moment is because you know the if you want to buy anything, people just want cash, and um, it, it becomes very difficult to spend your crypto. So you've got to cash out. You've got to convert it to uh, you know, this uh, third system. Uh, and that, for me, is a real problem. And I think until that changes, we're going to have an issue uh, sort of like within the crypto uh, scene at the moment, you know, because uh, it's obviously going to affect the prices until the big players start, you know, accepting uh, XRP or Bitcoin or Ethereum. Uh, to make purchases, um, I think we're going to be tied in to this, uh, the pound, the dollar, the yen, whatever it is, we're going to be um, fixated with that. And that's the whole crux of the problem that I see. Uh, am I feedbacking everybody? Um, you're okay at the um, moment. I get, yeah. So thank you for that. Um, 
I mean, I can see the concern there, but really the crux of the problem is not the use of cryptocurrency as much as the death of the paper uh, fiat as we know it. And what we're seeing are the growing pains as this adoption into uh, the new, you know, payment rails. Now, I we have t we're about, um, you know, I, we can talk. We're about to talk about um, a Shiba NFT in a bit, and that's an exciting project uh, that I think is being built out of the XRPL. But as we move into this new system. Uh, you know, you're going to see all kinds of things as people, you know, try to hold on fees go up. And that's, that's not really anything to do with crypto as much as the uh, supply chains and the, the, the death of the purchasing power per the currency we hold. So what we have no longer has its value. And the further that they, you know, and interest rates go up, and we are overspending without that productivity back into the economy. And we're sending money abroad to fund really criminal wars with other criminals uh, paid for by the tax dollar. Um, this, this, is, this is the crux of the problem. Uh, and you know, the electricity, you know, this is all part of their narrative to push an agenda into another creepy surveillance uh, crypto you know, pay with your face kind of biometric surveillance system. And that's not uh, what we the people will allow, essentially. And, and we are, we are going to have to be dragged through the mud all the way to the end since there are some sleepers and take the extra minute to wake up. And there's always going to be people waking up. But actually, the real, um, you know, center and strength of all of this is the resilience, is the people that keep fighting back, that keep, that, you know, that keep stopping their plans. You know, their, their roadmap was, was meant to be executed per some of our threads. You, you guys can look back in July uh, where they were implementing more lockdowns, which they, you know, there was such a riot and a presentation of people. Remember those London and countrywide protests? That definitely helped stop things and these letters that we've been sending with the who treaty and fighting out on both sides of the pond americans have been doing the same as you know what we discussed a few weeks ago with uk citizen so eventually you're going to see because this system is dead right there's no going back that there will be an adoption of something brand new and it will be the best you know technology with the best sustainability and scalability but it doesn't have to be made nefarious per their wishes um, the end of cash, I'm not one of those people that believe the end of ca the, the cash will stay because we, the people, will continue to use it. Um, and if they don't want to take it, well, we will just deem it lawful and use it ourselves. There will always be an appetite and, a, you know, a group of people that want cash. And when this system collapses, do we all think we're going to stand there with abated breaths waiting for their next move? Uh-uh. That's when we start implementing you know, people will reclaim their sovereignty. There will have to be and demanded to be transparency, verify, verability and transparency within the financial system, which means there cannot be third party servers that intercept with these ABA, BACS, CHAPS, all these payments that go through basically glorified email messaging protocols that actually now, and this is so interesting, guys, um, that the regulation discussions this past week 
they're all now saying, well, actually everything on blockchain can be transparent and recorded. And, you know, it's like quite a different narrative from a few years ago when they were wanting to tell everybody that only drug dealers and, you know, laundering, you know, people used crypto. And now all of a sudden we're starting to see the kind of turning of the agenda. Now, what I would like everybody to, you know, if your crypto is not your thing, fair enough, but don't keep your money under a mattress thinking that it's the best thing. I mean, you want to have some cash at home, but really it's the precious metals that always come back to being real money, no matter what happens to the economy. Um, so if you don't like crypto and you just, that's not your thing, fair enough, but there's plenty of people that are excited about it. And, and because of how this is really going to free the chains of enslavement uh, from the current system that we're in, uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity that with the financial system uh, that we're moving to that was never available before. Um, for many reasons. And, you know, microloans, payments on day, you know, like smart contracts executing. Can you imagine working a shift, you know, an eight hour shift and being paid that day instantly? No two week, no monthly. I mean, all that's crap. All that allows interception and, you know, uh, third party finagling. You know, you sign a contract, it executes on smart contracts, you work that shift and you get paid. I mean, this, there's a lot of great opportunities that can come with this new financial system. Um, I do wanna talk more about this and I welcome everybody's feedback, but I do, while we're here, Jordan, are you here on this call today? How you doing, Jen, you all right? Yay, hey, all right. Um, so you kind of hear how I'm talking with the group and you know, I mean, you've been on some of our other calls that Vicky and I talk, we're kind of very traditional when it comes to the crypto stuff even though she and I like to try new things, um, we're just very concerned that, you know, there's so many lobsters and noisy kind of projects in this space that, you know, for us to really be serious and to talk about a project, I mean, it really has to be something special. And so this is why you guys, I wanted to make sure I had time on the call before I forget uh, to just kind of talk about Shiba NFT. We've mentioned this in the financial assets group a few times. Um, the founders of this coin are in our groups, and Jordan is one of the founders. So welcome, Jordan. Um, but this is this is like such a perfect example, okay, of how the adoption is going to grow and take place into into uh, crypto. And not everything is creepy metaverse. You know, if you don't like metaverse, if you're not into the AI stuff then that's okay. But that just because people are gaming and like NFTs and like this kind of adoption doesn't, they're, the two are not, you know, they don't equal each other. Um, there's a lot of, whenever there's new innovation in a space, there's a lot of really cool projects that take off and die, or they really take off and they're, they're cool for a bit and then they eventually adapt to become something else. Um, actually, that's what NFTs are because you were always able to mint stuff to blockchain. It just took, you had to do it a bit differently. Now you see the adoption of minting on blockchain in form of, of code that can become, you know, uh, an iconic with a picture or a service, or in this case, an opportunity to join this doghouse VIP club. Uh, now, many of you might go, what the hell is this? Um, and, and this is why I wanted to make sure that we could talk about it because Shiba NFT is the Shiba token built on the XRP ledger. And Shiba has this incredible opportunity uh, or a commu uh, community 
of you know people that are you know really into this little character this dog character and that you know there's they've got all these partnerships they're going to have a shiba verse and a shiba irium on their new blockchain so shiba's done very well and obviously we've been very ad you know very vocal about xrp and the future of these payment rails one of the biggest things that, that shiba uh, doesn't have you know you can't send it very quickly the, the, the gas fees are outrageous so Shiba NFT has adopted this token onto the XRP ledger. And because of that, you've got this community that's grown, that's really interested in, in, in making these very special, you know, limited edition experiences um, via their artwork, uh, via events, eventually this app that they're going to come out. And I, Jordan, I won't say too much, but um, right now yeah, the VIP lounge the, or VIP doghouse is guys just a perfect way to collect an nft and and enter into this club where you are earning you have a potential to earn xrp um and other cool prizes you know every month now there's only 500 nfts available so when you're you know entering a drawing this is just your first step into their their new um club you know which is their kind of vip members of the shiba nft community uh, and you will be awarded your membership in, in a form of an NFT. And then every month you are entered into a drawing. Jordan, do you want to take over? Do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity coming back. I was listening into your discussion about uh, crypto in general. I'll just add before I go into Shiba NFT. I'm massively confident in crypto and I really do believe there's a reason why Ripple, the company, are partnering up with so many um, yeah, institutions across the world whilst in the middle of a lawsuit. I think everybody knows XRP will become number one, um, be used worldwide. I'm just so confident in it. This is why we're spending so much time developing Shiba NFT, same network as XRP because it's the one that's going to last. Uh, obviously, you referenced Shiba Inu. Again, it's a huge cryptocurrency, but we feel that we can surpass that massively due to the fact we're built on the best network and we're bringing so much more. Um, the NFT aspect of our business, uh, we're trying to break that stigma from your average investor or average person who's yet to arrive to the NFT space and the crypto space automatically assumes that an nft is simply a crazy 3d cartoon um, and that's it and in some instances yeah it can be that but we're providing a utility in a couple of different aspects for nfts and like you say with the doghouse yeah brand new exclusive club on the xrpl which is going to be private each month we're going to be hosting live raffles massive prizes in xrp uh, nobody knows this yet, but I'll I'll tell you now. The first draw that we're going to be doing once these sell is the first prize of ten thousand XRP or a luxury holiday, something that's yet to be done on the XRPL. So that's a massively exciting aspect. And then yeah, each month massive XRP prizes, NFTs, uh, merchandise, experiences, and you also get that exclusivity. What we're trying to do is basically build this single aspect out and create a crypto lottery so this first one uh, we're referencing this to the national lottery if you will with lotto 
but on the national lottery, you've got Thunderball, uh, obviously you've got Euro Millions, uh, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to be doing more versions of it moving forward and building this exclusive club up from the ground. So yeah, that's an exciting aspect that's going to be launching soon. Steve couldn't make it tonight because he's busy minting the NFTs currently and pricing them all up ready to go. So yeah, stay tuned for the announcement when it goes live. Um, another aspect with the NFT utility, we've partnered with a company in London called Meta Racing. And essentially what we're going to be doing is providing NFTs, uh, which will act as a form of proof of ownership for horse syndicates. So we've got 15 horses, I believe, with uh, one of the top trainers, Harry Fry. We've got pretty much of these whole stable that we're going to be building for him within the NFT space. And then there's further plans to develop a metaverse surrounding this aspect called the Jockey Club. So, yeah, we're, we're a project built on the best network and we're not focusing on one single entity. We're trying to build something so it appeals to every single person that arrives on the XRPL. So like you said, uh, some people, the metaverse isn't for them. The NFTs aren't for them. So we're trying to build something that caters to all. Uh, another exciting aspect is our app that we're currently developing. That's going to be finished next month. We're going to be bringing a utility to the token. Within this, there's going to be augmented reality character uh, within it. You'll be paying for interactions and training to upgrade through the levels, mini game series. Uh, there'll also be another game uh, surrounding the augmented reality, a global leaderboard that's hosted on global servers because we're anticipating it going huge, uh, social chat rooms, a decentralized exchange built into it as well. And this is just phase one of our development plan. Uh, what we're going to be doing in the near future, uh, as you well know, Jen, is beginning phase two, which is building our NFT marketplace. So again, it's just going back to that aspect of having a project, an all-in-one project that caters to all. So we're going to be hosting everything that anybody should need if they're interested in the crypto, NFT or metaverse uh, space. Cool. So to buy one of these NFTs, um, yeah. um, yeah. it's really, I mean, it's like a membership into the club and the club yeah. right now, you know, given its launch was, is going to have monthly drawings. I know you have other stuff that you're planning um, to come out for the membership, but right now the, the immediate invite is to buy a, an, an NFT for 500 XRP. Yeah, that's correct. We've actually, I think, we've priced 50 of them so far. We haven't even announced them yet, and three have sold. Uh, so when we do launch, it's going to be a monthly live draw. So initially what we're offering is monthly prizes in XRP. And because we're so confident with XRP, uh, with XRP going to 12 to $13, uh, within the next six months when we're giving out a 10,000 XRP prize that is mega money um, the following months the top prize will be 3,000 XRP and it obviously jumps down from there but if you're holding your XRP it equals mega money so it's a huge competition over a 12 month period and all you simply have to do is purchase an NFT yeah yeah 
Yeah. So that's, I mean, you guys, it's just a fun way to be a part of the Shiba NFT community. You're holding a piece of art. You can always resell it. That also has its value because it's of the limited edition first offer uh, into this doghouse club. And then uh, you would also, you know, be able to be part of these monthly drawings, which if anything, um, you know, would be just more ways to win free XRP. So I think it's a really cool thing, um, especially since these guys are really building the utility behind this token. And this is just a fun launch way and interactive way to, you know, to you know, basically carve out a community of, of uh, VIP Shiba NFT, you know, really diehard fanatic, you know, people that are really into this uh, to build and grow the community um, because they, you know, they are working hard behind the scenes to get all of this out. Uh, and it's very unique and interesting, the stuff that they have planned. Uh, and then to be able to create that interactive experience with these NFTs, you know, it's just something that I, I find. And, and, you know, Vicky and I have been really excited about it because this is showing adoption and innovation into this XR, onto the XRPL. Uh, and they're bringing such a fun, vibrant community, which you guys, let's face it, most of the stuff you know, banking and payment settlement, you know, XRP, SEC lawsuit. I mean, that's really boring. It's very straightforward, you know, so there's there's not a lot of uh, excitement, I guess, in, in that space. And so Shiba NFT crew brings that. Also, last year, you know, Shiba was also very, very new. And, you know, like I said, it, you know, for those of us that got in really early with that, it was one of the best trades, you know, I've ever done. So, this is also a huge opportunity for people to get in with the community from the ground up and be part of all their partnerships and new things that they, you know, reveal and bring out to you guys, because, you know, ultimately this is, this is where we're headed with the new financial system. Um, so, oh no, oh no, I am so sorry. Is this giving feedback? No, you're okay. No, you're it's, okay. Only, it's only you're, you're unmuted, unmuted when, we, when talk. we talk. Oh, I'm so sorry, you guys. I just I'm so, I'm seeing some of the no notifications. Um, okay, so Jordan, they they go to shibanft.co.uk, right? Yeah, so they can head to the website. Uh, check out the website. Obviously, we've also got the Telegram group, uh, the comment section for this thread in your chat. Uh, Jen, I'll post the link if the, if anybody wants to join that. We're building a, a huge community. Uh, we're also massive on mental health, so it's about providing that network of a safe space for people to join, come and hang out, have a chat. Uh, it's a very supportive community. We've got members from all across the world. It's growing daily, and it's an exciting opportunity. Um, yeah, it's not one to be missed. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And guys, if you have any questions about this token um, or how any of this works, just let us know because we are trying to explain a lot here. I mean, when we mention tokens, there are ways of, you know, building tokens on other blockchains. <laughs> and this is one, you know, one of the first ones built properly on the XRPL. And XRP is, I mean, the Ripple Foundation is really serious uh, and committed you know, to building out an ecosystem because they started at the top, whereas, you know, Ethereum and everybody else uh, went for the developers and the gaming kind of space, you know, at the beginning. 
and here you have Ripple that you know has basically created worldwide, you know, partnerships. And hey, look, no one's complaining here, right? That's still my favorite coin of all. Um, but you know, the projects that are built on XRPL are the ones that will sustain. So you're not looking at something that's pumping and dumping and going away and being regulated to hell. You're looking at a very new, uh, cool community that's coming, you know, together under these, you know, the use of this Shiba image uh, built on the most sustainable, scalable, you know, no fees uh, way of, of making payments and tokenizing that. And there's going to be all kinds of, you know, fun gaming interactions and, um, you know, components that come. But really, you know, if you're just new to the NFT space, don't really know much about it. This is an excellent way of buying an NFT that you know, maintains its value um, as the project grows and then obviously allows you to earn, you know, each time monthly there is a drawing. Uh, so, you know, there's just a way to another way to pack your bags with more XRP. Um, but yeah, so thank you, Jordan. Anything else you wanted to add? And then we'll move on. Uh, no, that was pretty much it. It was just, I don't want to give too much away about the app. There's a few more features that I don't want to discuss just yet. Um, it's quite a unique idea that I don't want to let out the bag just yet. But yeah, I mean, most, most projects go after the already established crypto communities, which is obviously what we've done as well. But we've basically taken the approach of bringing the masses to the XRPL. Um, obviously, it's still a, such a small percentage what's invested or interested in crypto currently compared to the obviously the global population. And that's soon going to change. There is going to be a huge migration, a new influx of investors, and we're built on the best network. So if you want to learn more, feel free to join the Telegram group. We host AMAs in there. Um, also on YouTube as well. We're always available for a discussion uh, to answer any questions. So, yeah, thank you very much, Jen and Vix, for allowing me to come on and talk about it. Yeah, and thank you, Jordan. I mean, one just last closing point there. Um, yeah. When I keep talking about this Web3 and building on blockchain and you know, building in the browser and the way the payments are changing and all this, you guys. Um, and then I see, I, you know, I stand really resiliently, like we, the people will build, we will take over and we will do this and we will do that. Well, here it is right here in front of your eyes. Jordan and yeah. his team literally are doing what I just keep saying we, the people are doing, right? The developers are the ones who call the shots here. They're the ones that are going to be building this new ecosystem, writing the new open source tools, making it available, right? Taking this, this is why the central banking system cannot sustain because the internet took over and with that came this vast adoption and gaming and this tokenization of money that can be sent without being intercepted. Um, and that's what we're seeing. So even if it's still brand new and too raw, um, I just, you know, when I think about Shiba NFT and why I, I, I feel passionate to share it with you guys, is this is a team that's literally building a community with a token that is building value that over time, you know, will eat a few zeros. You know, this is a just launched product. Um, but because they're so committed to building a utility, it, it, you know, it's it's sustainable that because it's built on this XRPL. How many other projects are going to come out of this in the next few years? Um, you know, Shiba NFT will be one of the first, no doubt, and will always be remembered of that. And there will be others that come and join. Um, but this is how adoption takes place. 
So we are literally building that new financial system. And guess what? Shiba NFT people are not adding creepy biometric surveillance in order to, you know, close a transaction. Um, they're literally creating a, a new way of, of payment, a new interaction of art, a new, you know, way of, of, of buying and selling really goods online uh, that are represented in forms of code. So I hope I've addressed some of the questions um, people have sent me privately about this token um, and some of the people today who asked again to just kind of reiterate why the hell I'd be talking about this and why Vicky and I all of a sudden became, um, we are ambassadors with this team because, you know, wh why not? Th these are founders from the beginning that have rolled up their sleeves and not afraid of putting in the hustle. Um, you know, to make this stuff happen. And that's that's what, who we want to support you guys. Um, so on that note, I guess that was my big Shiba NFT shout out. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I don't want this to all be about crypto. It, it, you know, <laughs> does anyone else want to add something? Vicky, do you want to add something? No, just for me, you know, the Shiba NFT, the whole team, you know, having the privilege of seeing everybody working in the background and um, the commitment and the drive is, it's just been phenomenal. So uh, I know I've said it before, we're, we're so chuffed to be part of the project, but to be able to see um, what you guys are up to, it's just, it's just been amazing. No, it's massively appreciated. Uh, you guys bring a whole new dynamic um, and yeah. Let's just keep going, keep building, and I'm absolutely certain that we will be one of the top projects uh, within the crypto space. We're bringing everything. So, yeah, thank you very much for giving me the voice and for obviously becoming a part of Shiba NFT. It's massively appreciated, and you've always got our support as well. Hi, Water Carrier. Um, just saw that you raised your hand. Did you want to say something? Okay, I guess not. <laughs> uh, it was interesting because I saw a thread earlier about the Bitcoin stuff. It, you know, then I think of you know Bradley Kimes who mentions El Salvador and the way that the you know the payments have you know, tr the transactions take hours sometimes to settle and you can't accept cash or accept food. And uh, I think this country really is you know showing a perfect example of you know how sometimes early adoption is meant to fail and designed to fail for a reason. Uh, it, it was never going to be Bitcoin, you guys, never, never, ever, or Ethereum. Um, so I, you know, do hope that if you have questions in this space, that you, you understand that not all crypto is created equally. <laughs> there are, there is a new space that is being carved out of this uh, nefarious dark arts that has been practiced in and amongst and around you know, Wall Street, uh, and that's the digital assets. And so now what we're seeing with the regulation happening, this is no coincidence. Um, you know, someone earlier today sent me this Blockworks company and the Blockworks group, and I thought, wow, where do I know Blockworks? Um, you know, to go back to my friends, remember I told you guys last summer, I used to apply almost daily to the Bretton Woods event that was being produced by Blockworks. And I wrote them on Twitter and I got in touch with their team. And I was, I mean, I, 
I shamelessly kept asking to go. I even offered to be a bartender uh, for the event because I just thought, I know what you're doing and I need to be inside these walls. And they denied me every single time. <laughs> they told me I was not an institution or a government leader, you know, and I thought, oh, man. Well, that's why, uh, you know, I want to be one now because I, I just feel like that at the time last year, I got really um, excited about this Bretton Woods event. Now, and I specifically remember on these calls, um, you know, being told, well, no, that's just a marketing event, you know, like any other marketing. They just use the name Bretton Woods. And I said, oh, no, they did not. You did not do your homework. They, I have spoken to these people that are producing this event. You have to have all kinds of badges and security clearances, if not the leader of the country to attend. Um, and so whatever marketing they were doing on Twitter was just merely a guise to let us, you know, common folk know this was going on. And so this was the Bretton Woods event of last year. I mean, do you remember this, Vicky? I was like losing it during this time. I'm like, what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> wanting to know what we would be told. Well, you know what, guys? We were told nothing. <laughs> nothing about this event. It just happened. And it was just the most bizarre, you know, like, wait, what? Um, you know, and so if you look back at history, I, 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 I sit there going, well, wait a minute. Did, did the people... Uh, when the Bretton Woods of 1945, when that was going on, did the people know about it? Were there people applying and asking, block, you know, the same kind of producing company, you know, let me go. And they, they were they told to, you are not an institution because I found that offensive. I found like I, you know, deserved to be there like anybody else who, per, you know, persistently and resiliently asked to go. Now, why I mentioned this is today I was sent... Uh, some peculiar, interesting things from the um, this BCB group, you know, as far as who owns them and what they are. And, you know, it's very interesting on their terms and services. They say very clearly this is not for, um, you know, uh, retail investors. Now, the person in, in retail investors, guys, in the UK and the US, and if you look through their website, it's like, it's almost so not, I mean, you just think, of course, they're using Ripple. Of course, this is X. I mean, what is it about this? And, um, you know, they're basically the person that sent me this, you know, highlighted some uh, TNCs that I thought were interesting because we are unlawfully not allowed to own these things. Um, am I, is there backlash now? No, so I just had to meet the water carrier. Oh, okay. So persons or residents in the United States or the United Kingdom, um, you know, to whom financial promotions. So we, we are not allowed to be part of this. But then you think, well, then it's a global economy for instant settlement. And it, the BlockWorks webinars are the same BlockWorks event that produced the Bretton Woods thing that is also <laughs> uh, this BCB group. And then if you look at who owns this BCB group, it's all the big names, like everyone you, you know. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. There's like, George, you know, JP Morgan, Digital, you know, Goldman Sachs. So there seems to be something going on here uh, that I thought was very interesting in this tie-in. So if anybody knows anything more about these guys, um, BCB group, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
being told by this by political B. If you're here, raise your hand. Um, I asked him to come on, but apparently YouTube will, you know, take it down if you reference it, which was very strange because it doesn't really strike, you know, that kind of, you know, it doesn't really raise too many eyebrows, um, you know, on on first glance, you know. So if you heard the name BCB, you wouldn't necessarily. I uh, think anything of it, but a while back, and I'm reading what he's saying in passing conversation, someone mentioned that BCB Treasury plays a role in CBDC. This was before the whole, you know, COVID thing. I don't, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but now that CBDCs are being talked around town, it seems probable that BCB Group plays a role. Maybe they already struck some kind of deal with the governments and banks. I'll look into this more. As you know, XRP is the chosen one and they didn't want the wider public to catch on. So maybe this is why they're censoring. But even if that is the reason, it doesn't seem credible enough to me. Something else is up. And it's interesting to see how this all plays out. So again, he flagged this to me. I'm flagging it to you guys. If anybody knows more about this particular group, um, and I will share what he sent me in, you know, this this channel um, in the group so that we have it. But I just I found it very bizarre that suddenly, you know, because look, guys, the Digital Found Pound Foundation, you know, this kind of stuff is all setting up now. And so I guess remember that Edward Dowd clip that we talked that I shared. You know, he mentioned there is a new financial system, and I think one of the things that we all need to be ready for is who's going to control it and how is it going to function? You know, where does it, where's the accountability, where's the governance and all this? This is why we, you know, we must pay attention to how this rolls out because we will be the effect, you know, that how this, this shapes. We will be the, you know, ones that help guide it. Um, and like I use the example of the developers and the exciting stuff on blockchain, that's, you know, on the, that's just one part of it, you know, and then also being able to settle payments instantly without third party banking, um, you know, people still get freaked out about this when you, you know, these digital wallets are your new banks, guys, <laughs> the features will start rolling out, you'll see more and more of the developers, like, you know, the Shiba NFT team, you know, like my husband, I mean, he's, He's doing some stuff that I'm not sure if we can even mention yet, but uh, with Ripple that, you know, is very cool. So we're just, we're watching this uh, adoption take place around us and the block, I don't know, maybe we'll have to censor that on, we've never had to censor ourselves, but what a bizarre thing to have to censor ourselves over uh, this BCB group, especially since I emailed them like all last summer trying to figure out uh, ways to get into their event. They run more than one. <laughs> anyway, I didn't go, guys. I wasn't going to comply, not even for the airline to attend the one in, uh, I think it was just outside D.C. last year. I still think, I still you, think, should think have. you should have. <laughs> <Do you> remember? <laughs> remember the gifts of me trying to sneak in i mean i really i mean the, the tickets were like three grand a piece i mean i it, i didn't even get that far it was like how are we gonna make to attend but at the point i mean i just wanted to be able to be there to find out because something definitely happened in that room and Bretton woods you don't just use that name all right that just it doesn't happen and the whole Bretton woods moment i mean come on this has been published how many times in the economy I mean, like from the various four i mean they're all just kind of 
trinkling it out there, you know, like little by little, sprinkling it amongst, you know, the, so if, when you start paying attention to that, then it's really hard not to see how it all, that's why, I mean, last summer I was just looking forward to this event all summer, only to be told I couldn't go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, I don't know, should we stop talking about crypto and talk about some crazy other things? You have some good, crazy other things. <laughs> Should I share with some of the stuff I've been told this week? Is anybody else there? I feel like we're just talking to ourselves. Can we talk about Horace John Johnson? Yeah, who's, who's this? Is this Schultz? Schultz? Schillitz. Schillitz. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Well, I'm really, you know, speaking as a UK citizen, I'm uh, really upset at what's been going on uh, with Boris Johnson at the moment. Um, I feel that he's been uh, sort of like shown as a liar now, you know, uh, that they've had all of these parties uh, and they've literally, I feel like they're laughing at us, you know, and... I think there's a lot of the uh, the UK population are very, very upset with him because of how uh, he's treated the whole COVID thing. And um, it's very upsetting, you know, when you can't see your dying mom, your dying dad in hospital because of COVID and all these guys are having the parties in 10 Downing Street and you hear the stories and things that have gone on it within 10 Downing Street and it's all come out and he's got away with it and it's just business as usual and I'm, I'm just so angry and I just think how on earth has he got away with this and it's just business as usual why you know I'm angry a lot of people are angry but it just seems to be swept away under the carpet and it's just business as usual you know, I'm, I'm just infuriated myself uh, with what's been a, allowed to happen. And I, I feel there's many other people out there that probably feel the same sort of thing. And uh, Mike, you know, I just think if it, people could say, how has this been allowed to happen? Jen, can I get there? Shall it? Do you, do you, are you angry because he did it or do you, do you, are you angry because you don't understand why he did it? And what, what I'm getting at there is that the, the pertinent question that nobody's asking is how did he feel, he and everybody else feel they could get away with it? Were they scared? And if they weren't scared, why weren't they scared? Well, I, I, just, I, I just feel it's a farce when you've got people having parties they're celebrating having drinks having the friend you know celebrating birthdays they're all getting together they're not following the rules everybody else because was because they're not scared though because they're not scared and why weren't they scared when they were trying to, trying to make the nation scared yeah and it's the hypocrisy that annoys me you know because they're saying do what we're telling you, but they're not following their own rules. And this this hypocrisy is just infuriating. 
because they're not living by their own rules. But and why that is, well, only they can only they can answer that. You know, I can't answer that for them. But the hypocrisy is shocking, and it's uh, there's a wave in this country in England, and you know, Great Britain. We are shocked it, to the core it, it, of what. I, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm not interrupting, but I, I, I really, it just really uh, makes me wonder why people aren't wanting to delve a bit deeper than that. It's not just hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, yes, but hypocrisy means that uh, you, you know, doing what the opposite of what you've been you know, telling others to do. But why are they doing the opposite? That's that's the main crux of the matter. Can you hear me, Philip? Yeah, I can hear you, just. Yeah. Let me turn. My question to you is, what, what were your expectations? Because My expectations is if, is if people have set rules, leaders of, of our uh, nation have set rules, they abide by them because they say we should all do it. And if they've not followed that themselves... It makes a mockery of everybody, and that is infuriating to me, you know. So I don't want to come across as a cynic, but maybe I am. I'm not surprised. Someone said to me about something in relation to something else, that we were talking about something else, and his, re his remark was, for, for certain people, this is their first rodeo. And I don't mean that to sound disparaging, but it's just to say that... I, I, didn't, I didn't have the expectation of them. None of this, what, what I'm seeing right about now, is surprising me. I suppose I've been surprised by the depth and the blatantness, the way that it's like they're not even hiding what we knew they were doing before or what we thought that they were doing before that has now been proven right. Now it's like, have it. There you go. It's it. And yeah. we don't care what you think anymore. And it's exactly. an extension of something that we've noticed before, the, cynic, the cynical. And I think you can be over-cynical. You know, I've got people who, they don't believe nothing. And I even question that, like, you don't believe anything. You know, stuff that you can say, well, I can debunk that. And it's more about the fact that you, you are such a cynic that you cannot accept that anything that these people say has even a modicum of truth. I think that's an extreme. But certainly what I've seen from Tories, you know, these sort of those epithets, you know, Tory scum and stuff, in a way there's some things that you can say, well, we knew that, we heard that, and how do you build on that idea? And so for me, this, what Boris is going on with... Hi, can Mark, I... Can I, I can I just jump in just one second, Mark? You're really, really quiet. I don't know if you've got some headphones, so if you want to come back... Um, can find some headphones or something just so we can hear you a bit better. And if I can remind everybody to mute in between when people are speaking, just because it gives feedback and obviously we're recording. Go ahead, Kirsty. Sorry. Hi, sorry. I've got a theory. My theory, and I, I, I can't get rid of this. I think the puppet masters really want Keir Starmer leading, leading the show. And I wonder if they're deliberately, all this stuff was deliberately filmed, the partying leaked out to really tarnish the Conservative Party. The, so by the time we have our sort of general election, the UK is so sick of the Conservatives, they get in Keir Starmer. That's my thoughts. Can I jump in again? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. It, why does nobody want to... 
question why they thought they weren't they were nothing to be scared of because lots of reasons if you think back to all the propaganda and the remember all the horrible adverts act like you've got it uh you know stay at home because you're going to kill your granny or this was all put out by the very people who weren't adhering to the rules right at the time. It, it was intense. It was on bus stops, uh, posters, every radio station. You couldn't move for it for a long time. People somehow forget this. And the crux of the matter is, if you're going to go back to Boris, who was allegedly, if you're going to uh, hashtag Deathgate, was at death's door with this in uh, ICU, and then than gallivanting with everybody in New Africa. It's such a deadly disease. This is the this is the crux of the matter. Not why why uh, it was hypocritical because it was of course, but how did they feel they could get away when we're living a a, a deadly pandemic allegedly uh, with the uh, you know a virus a so-called virus that could um, wipe everybody out and that. Is the crux of the matter, and nobody wants to ask these in the mainstream media in this channel almost. But go on, go. Can I just say, um, we want answers about Medazalam here in the UK and Remdesivir yeah. in the US. And also, going back a few conversations, Jennifer, you mentioned the gold bat after the Lehman Brothers crash. They were saying we were. They wanted us to be um, basal three compliant, and nothing's ever happened about that. Um, is basal three? I believe they are also part. That they are the central bank part of the problem. So would that be a bad thing? And also, uh, Shillitz, you mentioned you can't buy anything with, using crypto. I, I envisage going forward. I'm hoping. To buy another property and um, use the metals for it, you know. Yeah, but I bet you have to convert your metals to cash because no homeowner is going to say, "Oh yeah, you know, dump me a few gold bars or whatever metal you've got." They want the cash, and this was my point when I was making that point that people are uh, just they they just want to deal with cash because they don't know any other system and until we change that until people you know accept all the forms of payment as a general rule we're going to have this issue um where it's not accepted and it makes everything so much more difficult but if people said you know oh i'll accept xr you know so much xrp and if you just send it and we'll get it all done legally and, and until that is a method of payment where people accept it and appreciate it, we're going to be stuck with this dying uh, cash system at the moment. And uh, obviously, we need to get out of it. But it, it needs the big players to actually, uh, you know, get on board, start accepting uh, crypto as a payment option. And then we can move forward and we can get out of this trap that everybody's stuck in at the moment, you know. You say legally, but it's legally in a corrupt system. I mean, cross my hand with silver. I'll take it.
Yeah, you know, people will do it, but it's a minority at the moment. We need there to be more and more people accepting alternative payment mechanisms. At the moment, you know, if you start, uh, you know, you go to buy a car or whatever, you go to buy your shopping and you go with it, you go into the store with your crypto wallet, you're not going to get very far. Well, I think that right now is just deliberate because they don't want you using crypto because it's an alternative outside the banking system. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see your point. I still think that the bigger issue is going to be the dying dollar, the just the slow bleed. How and when that triggers a new system, I don't know. How it all collapse, you know, what, wh how long is this going to be propped up? Um, but I do think there will be a new system that comes in and changes that. And, and right now, using XRP, don't use that to buy things. Uh, use cash to buy things. Hold your XRP. Now is not the time to be trading XRP for anything. Just buy it and hold it because this is an asset for the future. Um, and buy and hold some silver, you know, physical silver and gold. So if, you know, outside the system so that if there is a need for bartering, uh, that's just another thing to help, you know, have at your disposal. And so, yeah. Um, but listen, I mean, going back to the discussion around why is the blatant thing? I mean, that is a very, the very honest, very, you know, I can see many people are asking that. And that really goes back to the problem that we are seeing right now by this orchestrated, very contrived, very manipulated government that is being told how to vote, when to vote, when to show up and when to leave the chamber empty, these kind of things, uh, when to show up and make sure the right vote is cast, et cetera. And I, you know, I can see the internal struggle, you know, struggling, but ultimately there does seem to be some kind of hold over these parliamentarians that are voting in this, you know, very unified way, uh, you know, for all of this. And it's not just a, a few parties. I mean, there's lots of stuff that's happened that, you know, the ministers and the whole cabinet, I mean, everybody's responsible for, um, in, including Boris. So I, you know, this thing that they call, you know, Johnson in office. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I do not see this, this cannot sustain forever, whatever the vote charade they put on there. Uh, at some point, there will have to be, you know, something that triggers the fallout of all of this. I mean, this man is, they're, they're playing off of the fact that in his younger years, he was so charismatic and likable that a lot of his, you know, not so perfect qualities were dismissed or people laughed off. Now it's a very different, very serious, dark, and horrible uh, reality where he's not even the one in control anymore, guys. That whoever, whatever it is that is controlling all of this is doing so not just at the helm of him, but you know, the entire circuitry of the establishment. Uh, so right, left, it doesn't matter. Whether it's Keir Starmer, whoever it comes in, there is a bigger hold on that government. Um, you know, and, and there's been stuff that, you know, recently that come out about the way that, you know, things have been running that, I mean, again, I don't see how this, this can sustain, whether they put Keir in, you know, or Starmer in, uh, to replace him or pretty Patel or, you know, tr you know, Liz, whatever, whoever their next puppet is, we got to face the facts that the government is not the government of the people by the people, like whatever they've told us in history school 
you know, from the second grade onwards, um, that we are actually in a system now that does not work. It's not, you know, no one, their you know, policies are being uh, <coughs> forced through or tried to be forced through without the elected, um, you know, request of the people that, you know, of the people that are, are meant to be the ones that are holding this government to account. The government doesn't care about its people. It's clearly taking orders from elsewhere. So I think that's the bigger problem that we have here. And it just, it, it, it's, it is very frustrating and, and uh, super emotionally exhausting to keep pushing back at that system. But ultimately, this is why every week now I keep saying this death of a thousand cuts. We have to just keep pushing back at every little thing that we can. Um, because I don't believe that Boris is, you know, Teflon or, you know, waterproof. Or eventually this whole ship is going to sink and it's going to sink miserably because the man that we've been told has been in charge or, you know, none of this has been, uh, you know, this has all been very much planned. You know, the scripts, they say the way the votes came out of nowhere and then we had a vote and then now we can all move on. You know, it's in other words, it's a way to open the door and close it and start a new chapter of what's best for the future, the rebuilding of the economy. You see all the, the way the headlines have moved. <clears throat> you see how now all of a sudden, just right out of left field, they've got this perfectly timed PR stunt to show how low-income individuals can now benefit or the, the, the benefits that now come with owning a house and a mortgage. Oh man, they're not telling them about what happens when that mortgage basically you know, goes under because the bubble to which it serves you know, has popped. So, I mean, I, again, I don't know how long you've been in the group, but this is kind of what we discuss in and out at weekly about just how this disintegration right in front of our eyes <clears throat> are of these parliamentarians, of this government, this awakening. This is where people call it the great awakening because a lot of us weren't really paying attention to a lot of this now, but because it's so blatant, one has to ask, you know, how the hell can you not see this? So, um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Anybody want to add that and add to that? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Um, can you hear me? Is my volume up? It's a bit better. <laughs> I'm using the same headphones. I've had problems with these headphones, man. Literally, they're stuck in my ears, yeah? You hit on something there, Jen, that I was, I was thinking about, and we've kind of uh, had a sort of chat about in different groups anyway, which is, like you mentioned about the government isn't the government. It's not what we think it is. Um, and what I was saying earlier on when I, I put the question to Shillis is to say, what was your expectation? Some of us kind of cynically have known that the government isn't what we think it is. And as time goes on, you get to see more and more and more that it is really not what you think it is. And I, you know, I moved from media, you know, the politicians and, and uh, media heads like the mail, Rovermere, these kind of people, they had a relationship that goes back 100 years. So when you know that, and then you ask yourself how these stories come to be, and you look at that relationship, it tells you something about the narrative. It tells you something about the stories that come forward and why they come forward and why we hear these things and, and not certain other things. There is something that's going on which has gone on for a long time. So for me, it's not a surprise. But what you hit on there, Jen, is a question that I've had, which is, what is... Like these people, um, politicians, MPs, policymakers, whatever it is, what is the hold? What is the relationship with the WEF and the WHO and any other 
institution that we could pull out of the bag. Um, that relationship with our government, Gates has come in, which I think has been a takeover. I think I've seen a takeover. When he came and the NHS, that, that for me, there was a deal that was done there. And we're not going to sell the NHS. No, you, you already did. You, you did something. Something happened there. There was a shift. The way that medicine is done in this country has shifted in the last five to ten years. And you can see it if you look at it. But what the hold is, that is the question in my head. What is it? What, is, what do these people, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, what's that thing that Tom Cruise is a part of? Scientology. <laughs> is it that? Do you know what I mean? And I think that is very simplistic of me to say, but I'm, I'm starting to think, well, what is the hold? That, that why, do these, why are these people signed up to this thing? Do they have no morals? Is the Nolan Principles meaningless? My sense. I just wonder what people think about that. Can I say Can I... something about that? Of course. I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of the uh, politicians all across the globe, you know, they're all connected to the, uh, the World Economic Forum, the, the World Health Organization, and it's this... Uh, there is an outside entity, uh, which is a globalist uh, organization, and they have set up a system uh, and they have infiltrated and they are uh, sort of like uh, buying politicians through whatever means possible. And it's about this world control. And there is an agenda at play at the moment and it's becoming more and more obvious as time goes on for all to see uh, the reality of what's going on. There is this agenda for a one world government and um, this is what's going on. And it's very damaging, you know, it, it, it's evil, it's wrong. Uh, but the more it's pushed, the more we see. And I think uh, this as it's pushed, people uh, are becoming aware of it and we need to push back. Yeah, and, and I agree with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting at that when, when Klaus Schwab is saying we've, we've penetrated this government and this and that and this and that, okay, cool, we can say that in a very abstract way, we can see it. But my question is, what, what, is, what is he using? What is the thing that is making these people sign up to this? You've got communities of people it's got families look them in the eye oh, you know people say it's the it's the money really it's the money aren't, aren't these people rich enough surely there's got to be something more than just the money are these people that cold and i you know in different sort of groups and stuff i say yeah yeah they're, they're that cold but but really are they are they really that devoid of 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 feeling like what we describe as human humanity or humane or whatever word we want to use there, really? Is that what's going on? Mark, yeah, I, I agree with that. Sometimes that's something I think about quite often is like someone like Rishi Sunak, whose wife is a billionaire and he's got access to a lot of money. Why is he doing this? What, what, is, it, what is it in it for him? I think it's all about Sorry, power and control, yeah, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. 
Go on. Sorry, Pete. Go on. I agree. That's it. I, I think it's all about power and control. I mean, you say how cold are they? I mean, they, they've been murdering people around the world with this bioweapon for the last couple of years. And, and uh, regards Stormer, I don't think he will ever get in as Prime Minister because of his past um, protecting paedophiles. Charlotte, can you say something about hi, the interview? Hi, hi, dear. Hi, dear. Can you say something about the interview? I was just I going was just to, to what, what, what have you messaged me about? about no, no, the interview with Hancock. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Um, um, yeah. yeah. I'm echoing, I'm echoing by, by the way. way. One, one second. second. Right, try again. Yeah, so, yeah, so going back to what you said earlier, Jennifer, um, about like PR like, campaigns and whatnot, not, Matt Hancock, I don't know if anyone's noticed, has got a big um, media promotion at the moment, and he's like getting softballed in left, right, and center. A lot of it's about uh, the, the topic is dyslexia, so apparently he's dyslexic. And so loose women had him on yesterday, for example. And, and it was just, it was just nothing about the travesties caused over the last few years, just about this, you know, uh, uh, endearing topic of dyslexia. And, and so one thing today that you might see over Twitter is that uh, Matt Hancock had an uh, interview with James Melville and Isabel Oakshot on their uh, his podcast, and it was nothing, the questions aimed at him were nothing to do with what we wanted to ask him about, such as you know the Dazalam, the care home catastrophe, uh, all of the bollocks that we know and want to ask him about. His conversation was about crypto, um, and how what his thoughts on that were. Nobody wants to know what Matt Hancock, the health secretary's thoughts on crypto are. Come on. Um, what kind of interview is that? How can you be in the same room? And that's how the interview was conducted. It wasn't over Zoom or anything. Three, Three people, people in the same room, room uh, where <laughs> in punching uh, distance, uh, had a lovely little conversation with uh, the dyslexic Matt Hancock about his thoughts on crypto. So, how many, you know, what we, there's so many things we want to say to say or do to this man. I'm not, I'm not threatening anything, but why on earth? It, it, it was shameless self-promotion for the podcast, of course. Uh, but it just, you just wouldn't do it, would you, Jen? What do you think? I would never, Vicky. Oh, even if Matt Hancock became the biggest XRP shill on the planet, would never think to interview him, knowing exactly the part that he played in the last two years. I mean, if so, this is what I was worried about with this podcast thing, because it, of course, it's always likes and subscribes, and what great way to get you know um, a huge audience, but to have Matt Hancock for some controversial. You know, so if you're looking at it from the media perspective, but honestly, that's a, that's a sell, you know, sellout move. I don't For like sure. that at all. So, so the first thing I thought when I, when I saw that this was, I mean, I, I've got my thoughts on the interviewee, the interviewers, of course, but I thought, oh, that's, that, that is quite a scoop. If, if anyone can 
have an interview with said person. That that is what you class as a scoop, isn't it? Uh, but then to sit in a room smiling, uh, probably having a photo op afterwards, uh, when <laughs> the, the the general public of the UK have done nothing but want to wring this guy's neck, and you're the and and the interviewer was especially one of them is trying to allegedly hold people to account and get a name for themselves as standing against the narrative and the government, then this is a complete opposite of what you should be doing right now, unless, it's, unless it is to raise your profile and promote your new venture. Oh, yuck. James, that's a disappointment. It's a huge disappointment because he's got a great following. Um, you know, he's done. So, I mean, God, this is like this is like a few others, you guys, that I've mentioned in the chat, you know, that have done just these weird things that you're like, what? Why would you what? Uh, you know, Matt wasn't just kind of involved. I mean, Matt was solely responsible involved, you know, shares and backhanded contracts involved. Like, and Matt Hancock, as you will know, has got zero spine. All right. The man will fall for anything because he doesn't stand for anything. You literally have to prop him up to a, on a chair to keep him from like oozing all over the room. I mean, he will just <laughs> say whatever you want him to say. I and mean, this is from personal experience. The guy has nothing. I don't know how any woman can find him attractive. He is just the most ugh, little tiny parasite. Just squish him and make him go away. Honestly, the guy will sit in a room. Years ago, he was the minister of DCMS and he was all talking about tech and cyber skills. Like he knew anything, anything at all about cyber. I mean, just and then now he then he became the health minister and he was knew everything about health and we should all take him so seriously. I mean, seriously, guys, this is what we do. We rewash, you know, our laundry and like air them out while they're still dirty and stained. I mean, this regurgitating politicians has to go. Matt will not know anything about blockchain other than the payment he's received from the companies that have told him to open his mouth and speak. I mean, he has pretended to be part of the tech community from years. He's a wannabe at best. You know, he gets involved with the community, the, the events, the, the, the tech events and things, the tech companies that will pay him the most to basically regurgitate the script. How the hell is this man anywhere near still a political figure? And why anybody, anybody at all that has been challenging the network or wants to stand for freedom, truth, integrity, and most of all character would think to invite them onto the show to ask them what they think about crypto. That's just asinine stupidity. Call that what it is. I mean, please, people, see these people. When they tell you who they are, believe them. Believe them. The first, I mean, you don't need to have a brain on, you know, understand crypto to know that Matt Hancock is not the person to be taking notes from or pointers. In fact, anything he touches turns to garbage. Please send him a note saying I said that because I want him to remember it forever. Um, I just, I cannot I've, understand. I've just, I've just invited him in, Jen. I think he's going to be in in two minutes. How is he still in any, like, really? So when you brought it up to me, I'm just like, wait, what? Certainly there's got to be a logical explanation here. Thinking there was some kind of plan to talk to him about, you know, whatever. But no, you're saying there wasn't. 
No, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think from what I gather, um, they, they were hoping to gear up for a second interview. So this was like the. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <sighs> what did Abby say? Really quick. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I've yeah. sent you the voice note, but she she's been brilliant. She said, how how why would you get some sort of, sort of it's like inviting Julius and Angelis on to talk about uh, I can't uh, what, what, what he's been confused, but she said, why would you get someone like Jennifer Arcuri on? Which was quite nice. Aww. Yeah, that I mean really. Aww, that's sweet of her. No, I mean that's ridiculous though. Thanks for sharing with us. I mean, I understand you have to go. I mean, did anybody else see that or have an opinion? And I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk smack about James. I actually liked it. I mean, he was he was likable. He was nice. I've talked to him on the phone. What the hell? An interview. Oh, that's the thing. It's, it's just people. It, it, what's the right way to say it? He, he, what he's done, whether it was with the best intentions or not, smacks of lucky what I've got on for my second guest. And yeah, that'd be fantastic if he asked the right questions or he put him in his place or he actually alluded to, you know, well, or asked, there's so many questions you could ask a guy like that and a guy like that should not be questioned quick to. A guy like that should be ignored. Or rounded up with handcuffs and put before in the public. Yeah, arrested. I mean, sure. literally. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason to talk to this guy. There's none whatsoever. And if your interest in fame and need for media endorsement for likes and subscribes is so important to you that you have to bend over to Satan, I mean, that is just insane. That guy was totally demonically possessed. You saw him smile on the screen when he was sitting there pounding his head off. No and way. and the, the other thing that we need to establish is uh, how it got approved or how it got um, how he how he accepted to go on there and was there like an approved list of questions because uh, I think Dan Wotton because Dan Wotton interviewed him and I've got my thoughts on him as well. Uh, Hancock was on uh, GB News a few weeks ago and I think he gave him a bit of a grilling um, and. But I think Dan Wharton has spoken up and said, actually, there was no approved list of questions. I was just able to ask what I wanted. So take that as, as you will. Say that last thing again. I missed it. About the question. No, I was just saying, so uh, Hancock's been doing the rounds on the media over the last few weeks. Um, yeah. And it's, I think his first appearance uh, was on GB News with Dan Wharton a few weeks ago. And Dan Wotton has laid in on Twitter to this James Melville interview because um, somebody has said, uh, I'm pretty sure you've got to submit an, an approved list of questions. And Dan Wotton's turned around and uh, said that, no, that, that, that's not what happened with me. So. Oh, so he's saying he's free to ask whatever he wants. It, it, something like that. Yeah, don't quote me word for word, but it, it was, mm. yeah, it was yeah, a lot, yeah. along, along those lines, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting because usually they're not. And usually, you know, you'll get uh, an outlet like BBC who they've already decided the agenda in the morning. They'll take the agenda. Yeah, well, it makes you think. 
yeah, I mean, general know more than me, but TV news has got its reputation uh, or, or preempted reputation before it started. And so it makes you wonder how someone like Hancock, yeah, I'll, oh yeah, all right, yeah, I'll go on jam one and he's gonna, not gonna give me softball questions. So I, I don't know how it works, but. Yeah, well, it, that's, that's it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because his handler, and you know, they would have sat down and had a conversation about the best place to go. This is why, you know, when I see Gates, I know Gates was going to places where he's not going to be challenged. And the one time he was challenged by, I can't remember her name, he fell apart because that's what he does. He doesn't, you know, he can't, um, you know, you can't have him on a show doing live stuff that isn't favourable to him. He falls to bits. So I imagine that that would have been a conversation that would have happened before and they would have said, yeah, 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 let's go on GB News. The question is, why would you think that? Why would you think that GB News is favourable to your request? Do you know what I mean? And then you're going to go and sit in front of what? Dan Worm? Hmm. Interesting. And uh, I suppose that's my, my veiled question is, what do people think about Dan Worm? Because he's been saying the right things for a long time. We had that picture of him with the... the, the uh, the, the symbol, whatever the symbol is supposed to mean, all seeing eye. Yeah, he, he did the old uh, Angela Merkel, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Which was interesting. A um, little bit too prominent for my liking. You know, people stand like that. I've seen people stand like that. It's customary. Um, but yeah, it's natural, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. As I say, it depends. It depends where it is and how it's done. And I didn't look at it and think anything really until it was brought out. I think someone mentioned it and then Jenny commented on it and I thought, hmm, interesting. I don't know what it means. There's a, there's a guy actually, so the di so I commented on that on Twitter, uh, saying you, you're doing an ang Angela Merkel or whatever. Um, and, and I think it's unnatural. I don't know. It's, it's, it's quite a low-grade kind of guy in a way, he, he worked for the Sun, didn't he, did the Bazaar column, um, he had the Johnny Depp trial, um, all, all that kind of thing, and he says all the right things to an extent, in my opinion, as we before, uh, some, some guy, I think it's on, on, on Telegram, it's called The Matrix, something, I'll, I'll send a link in a sec, and somebody sent me uh, a bit, of, this guy's on a bit of a background dig, and again, I'm crap at regurgitating stuff so i will send it but uh it, this guy done uh history about where he went to college in new zealand and this thing and all these secret things but i, I, I don't know but it, it it done a bit of a dig and it, this and it just like appeared out of nowhere like some of these people do and so i just don't know who to believe anymore I mean, you know, for me, the bottom line is, whether it's a president, a prime minister, one of these people working the BBC or any news outlet, whether it's an employee, and the unfortunate reality is people go into these things, some of them come out jaded, some of them fit right in, you know, and, and the rest is whatever the rest is, you know what I mean? I don't think any one of them is going to be any one thing, certainly not necessarily for us, um, but watch this space we will i guess that's how i look at most of them they they, they work for someone they work for something what do we expect agreed jen is there a way with that possible link in here i've not used telegram for so long 
Yeah, are you in the main channel? Because put it in the last thread we just posted. Yes, okay, yes. I'll, do that. I'll do that. Yeah, guys, so this was awesome. We're gonna have to wrap up here. Um, but yeah, I don't think anybody should be giving Matt Hancock the time or day, and I have no problem saying that to his face. Um, this is ridiculous. This guy, I mean, he is old. He has damaged the nation enough. So we really need to stop just, you know, glossing over things and, you know, holding people to account, which I guess is, is kind of hard when everyone wants to just get, you know, make nice with everyone and, you know, get, you know, make the best of what they can. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to launch a new podcast, sure, I guess you want to try to do whatever you can to launch with a splash. But look, at what that means, right? Selling out again, finding another person that just, you know, totes the narrative and you get to sit there and smile and look, you know, important. Um, I frown on this kind of stuff because I'm, I'm really trying to uh, get this to end in a way that, you know, that we can stop shaking hands with people that are criminals doing backhanded things that are not of anybody's interest but their own. Um, so I, on that note, I thank you, Charlotte, for bringing that up. And I, you know, I can't believe that Matt Hancock is now making time to do these like podcast circuits, like, you know, just, just to tell you everything about his desperation, guys. This just is a stench that is very familiar. So recognize it. <laughs> um, and yeah, hopefully we can get Abby back on. I love her. She just uh, had to take a few days. So we'll try to get that rescheduled. And until then, I really love these community calls, hearing from all of you weekly. Thank you for, um, you know, sharing today and we'll hopefully get this up and posted soon. Right, Vicki? Yeah, yeah, on it, on it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys all. Have a wonderful night and uh, hopefully see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.